Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How to Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Stacey Mayer, who is best-selling author of Promotions Made Easy, the founder of Executive Ahead of Time, and who aims to bring more diversity to the leadership table by doubling the number of women promoted into the executive suite each year worldwide. Hi, Stacey. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Layla. It's a pleasure to be here. Amazing. So let's jump into an introduction. Tell us more about yourself and kind of how'd you do it and why should I care? Awesome. I love that. Um, so I coach women to get promoted. And the reason that you should care is because we need to bring more diversity to the leadership table. This has been something that has been on the radar for many, many years. The business case is there, why there needs to be more diversity. But I think the challenge is we've been relying on organizations to do that for us through uh, diversity and equity and inclusion initiatives and things like that. And the work that I do really aims to re-empower the leader themselves to get themselves promoted into the C-suite to create opportunities for themselves. And that's also what I've done in my own career journey as well. Amazing. So you kind of alluded it into the last part of your answer, but what inspired you to join this industry and kind of be a proponent for women in the workplace? Awesome. I love that. So I actually worked at a hedge fund in New York City for uh, almost a decade. And after I left the hedge fund, I started working for a women's leadership organization out in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And I actually, it's this is sort of my climbing the corporate ladder story. I, I stuffed binders for them, right? Like it's like basically I worked in the mail room, you know, stuffing binders, working on the sidelines and really observing the women and feeling incredibly empowered just being in the room with these women. And I did what I often advise my clients to do. I asked and I approached my boss and I said, hey, I would love to have your job someday what would I need to do to make that happen? And so she really took uh, ownership of being my mentor, my sponsor, really guiding me in my career as I climbed up the ladder, started coaching for her and the women's leadership organization. And I just made that transition, got my coaching certification, and then decided that I wanted to branch out on my own. I've always loved entrepreneurship as a career choice. And, um, and so I went and I started my own business and I remember really asking myself, how am I going to differentiate myself from what we were teaching inside of this women's leadership program? And this same theme kept coming up, which was, you know, these women were becoming better managers. They were getting the tools to be more outspoken, to take bigger risks, traditional things that we hear in women's leadership, but they weren't getting promoted. They still weren't getting that seat at the table. They weren't making more money. And so I decided that that would be the focus of my, my entire business that I've created for myself is really how do we get women into those seats of influence and power at their organizations. And within six months of starting my business, I had three women promoted to the C-suite. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, Amazing. let's figure out what's going on here. Yeah. And, uh, and so I actually, that's the, what's inside of my book. That's what I teach today. It's everything. And it's just been about how do we replicate this process? And, and now it's like, 
I get a text message, uh, every other day I got promoted. I got the raise. I got, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. So yeah, I've been really, um, just making it happen ever since. That's awesome. And sorry, going back to the earlier part of your story, it seems like you kind of reached out to a woman who was, you know, you wanted to be in her position. So I'm curious, aside from your network, what were your best resources? Oh, absolutely. So I had a couple of different things going for me. So I said early on, I always had this entrepreneurial bug. So um, one of the women that I studied with, oh oh gosh, maybe it's been 15 years now, is Marie Forleo, who uh, created the program called B-School. So she's like, I think she's the the, uh, female entrepreneur guru for all entrepreneurs, right? And if, if you're listening to this and you're at all inspired, to start your own, especially online business, definitely check her out. Um, So really early on, I understood the tools of online marketing, online business, and um, just completely fell in love with it. And when I was working for the Women's Leadership Organization, that was a big part of it is that I was really helping them with their online focus and their online presence. Um, And so that was definitely one key why I felt brave enough to venture out onto my own. And um, And then, so I would say three components. One is like, I understood how to create an online business. And then the second component was spirituality. So out in San Francisco, I found myself for lack of a better word. I um, became a yoga teacher, a meditation instructor. I was all things mindfulness. What, you know, why does it matter? What are we doing? What's our purpose? Everything. And so I did that work for myself and I'm continuously doing it every single day. Um, And that's a huge component into what I teach now to corporate women is how do we empower ourselves, right? How do we get ourselves that seat at the table? And a lot of it is, and I have a whole chapter in my book about no longer failing ahead of time. And so through my own meditation practice, I learned that I was getting in my own way repeatedly, whether it was giving up a little too soon, not trusting myself, um, looking for answers outside of myself. So all kinds of different, um, self-help quote unquote techniques that we do to really step into those higher levels of, of influence and be able to bring ourselves to the table. So those were two really big components as I was, especially as I was first starting out and before, I'm sure you have uh, many, many more questions to answer, but before we continue, um, I want to share with you what has actually helped me in writing the book, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, I feel like I'm, I'm in that next phase, which is like MBA status, you know, getting that master's degree in, in creating a real business. And so for, for me, the resources in the most recent years has been, how do you actually create a profitable business? And so I've really gotten uh, really honed in on what that looks like, what it means to have a successful, not just online marketing business, but a business in general, how to create a strategic plan and things like that. So that's been my next phase. Amazing. And so you, you're moving on to your next phase, but I'm curious when you had this entrepreneurship bug and you kind of went into the entrepreneurship space, were there any lessons that you wish you would have known? Oh, back then, um, I think <laughs> so. Some of it uh, comes from this this concept that I just said, which is where I'm at now. So, 
back then creativity and passion was such a strong driver for me. And I think that a lot of women in the corporate world, that's what they feel like they come up against. They're like, I don't like my job. I'm not doing my passion. You know, this is not what I was meant to be doing. And it was, it was such a huge focus that I constantly skipped around. So like in the first year that I started out, I think I had five different businesses. Mm-hmm. I didn't like sit with anything very long. I, um, I also really refused, um, especially my twenties to get advice from anybody because I was the expert. I knew what I was doing. I was creative. You don't understand me. You know, I'm an artist. Like I was the artist in all sense of the words. Right. So Um, I did a lot of that. And so when I look back, um, I feel like I kind of unnecessarily struggled. And um, the practice that I have today is actually, I, I put my hand on my heart and I say, I trust myself. I trust myself. I literally will kind of say this over and over again, and it allows me to slow down and to actually make more um, strategic choices in my business to pivot. Yes. But to do it in a way that's like, okay, is there really anything wrong here? You know, or who can I bring in to actually help me come up with the next step for my business? No, awesome. And uh, you, we all make those mistakes when we're young, you know, we think we know it all, but then it's, it's good that you kind of realize and sort like help from other people who may, may know a bit more. Yeah. That's awesome. And so kind of leading on from that question, um, as sort of the million dollar question, but what would you say in your career was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? So, Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I think that my biggest failure. And so I think I'm going to expand on this idea of, of giving up too quickly. So I, I, one of my entrepreneurial endeavors was that I had a theater company and I decided to do, (laughs) so it was called Manhattan comedy collective. It was in New York city and I loved it. And I ran that theater company for about five years. And basically the idea was that I would bring in artists, all of my friends, and we would just do shows. Um, but I was a hundred percent in charge of it and pretty much kind of doing everything. Right. And so at one point, um, it no longer was fun anymore and I didn't enjoy it. And, uh, so what was happening was I had this creative bug and I was like, you know, kind of going through and like being like, if it's fun, I'll keep doing it. If it's fun, I'll keep doing it. Right. And so it's like, you know, like I said, you're young, you're invincible. You can do it forever. Right. And so at the point when it stopped becoming fun, I just kind of left. And so I remember telling everybody like, oh, this isn't going to work anymore. You know, we're not going to do this. And, and they were like, oh, 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 okay, really? Okay, sure. You know, and we put on other shows and we kind of did other things, but looking back on it, I realized that again, I didn't, I didn't stay with it long enough. Right. It was like at the point that it stopped becoming fun, I was out and I don't, it's not like we need to do things that aren't fun, (laughs) but looking back on it, I realized I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things that I could have done. What might've been fun is to get some help. That would have been fun, right? Like (laughs) I was like, no wonder I wasn't having fun. I was literally doing everything myself. Yeah. So 
now I'm like, my, my definition of fun is, it is a little bit more like that. It's like, get some help. That would be fun, right? Make a little bit more money. If you're not making enough money at the, at, you know, at, on ticket sales and such, like how else could we have brought in some money? Right. So mm-hmm. it's just, I have a little bit more business savvy to me so that I don't kind of jump ship quite as early and often. Yeah. And I feel like I've asked you a lot about, you know, the past when you've been starting up. So kind of reflecting on all of this and to kind of wrap up this section of um, our podcast, what uh, is one common myth about your professional field that you would like to debunk? Um, so one of the things that I think is particularly interesting in executive coaching in particular And in the corporate world is that it looks and feels a certain way and what, what happens. And so that, that's, that's how I feel sometimes. Like I feel like a fish out of water sometimes because I have red hair. I speak a little too loud. I get passionate. I get excited. Right. And so a lot of what, so it works both ways as their coach of corporate women and for the corporate women themselves, they feel like they have to fit into this box, right? Like they have to look like everybody else. Okay, wait, I can't fix that. Like I'm not the same skin color. I'm not the same gender as everybody else in the room. I can't fix that. So let me just dress like them. Let me speak like them. And I think the myth is that you don't actually have to do that. But what I will say, so we've got these two extremes, right? So what, and this is, this is all from my own personal experience is that my passion, my creativity is driving so much. I I have this intuition to jump ship. I'm like, you know, well, okay, it's not fun. (laughs) Right. So I'm out of here. And, um, what I started to do, and this is what I teach the women to do is how can we understand the rules right? Like really understand them rather than just being like, well, that's not for me or the other one, which is we mold ourselves and we kind of lose sight of ourselves to fit into this mold that isn't even, doesn't even feel good. And so what I do inside of executive ahead of time is I teach the women how to understand all of the rules. know um, the reason that you're getting passed over for promotion is because of this, this, and this, right? And then what we're going to do is break all of those rules. Mm -hmm. but we first have to understand them. And so for an executive coach, it's really important to understand, you know, how corporations function, what they care about, what matters to them, what matters to the women who work for those corporations, right? Like really understand the rules and then wear whatever the heck you want, speak (laughs) as loud as you want, right? Like, you know, dye your hair purple. I don't care. Right. But if you can't just do that without really understanding the rules first, because then otherwise you're just like constantly fighting this losing battle. Yeah, that's really great advice and something that definitely should be picked up on. So kind of moving on to more about you, I'd love to know what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? My favorite book of the past year has been The Big Leap. Um, I love that book. And he talks in the book about Gay Hendricks talks about the upper limit problem. And this has happened to me very much recently. And so basically what he's saying is that we feel discomfort in ourselves. um, And traditionally, what we try and do is solve for that discomfort. So we're like, okay, um, you know, for instance, I'm putting myself out there more. I wrote this book. um, It's 
it feels incredibly uncomfortable, like very vulnerable to, to write a book and then not be able to control it. Right. Like to put yeah. it out in the world and then just be like, okay, we'll see what happens. It's like and sending a baby off into the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. And so what, what we do is this is a perfect example. I love that is that we send the baby off into the world and then we feel uncomfortable. And so what we do is we make a phone call to that baby. We try and, and make sure we check in with all of the people who live in the dorm room around that baby, right? Like, so yeah. it's like all of these things to control. Right. And so what he suggests in the big leap is that whenever we start to feel uncomfortable, it's because we're leaping, we're, we're hitting that upper limit of, of uncertainty of discomfort. But if we can know that that's why we feel uncomfortable, because we're about to break into something really, really big, that's that upper limit, right? We're hitting that ceiling then we can relax and we can sort of say, okay, this is normal. And so I have been doing that practice. My book came out November, 2021, and it's just been a regular practice of this is normal. It feels uncomfortable. It feels vulnerable to put yourself out there in this way. And, and to, and again, come back to hand on heart. I trust myself. And, and then that has allowed some of these upper limit challenges or actually the upper limit, good things to enter my life. And that's, it's been really amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, kind of following on from that, this is usually a tough question, but who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? So the first person who comes to mind is my mother. Uh, I dedicated the book uh, to my mother. It says uh, to my mother who always told me I could do and be anything I wanted to be in life she was right. <laughs> and, uh, and she's been telling me that since I was a little kid, right. You can do be anything. I had such a supportive mom and we're still best friends today. And, um, the only difference is, is that later on in life, I actually started to believe her. I was like, oh yeah. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just saying that. Cause you're my mom. Right. Yeah. But most definitely. Plus she also worked her way up the corporate ladder herself. She became a director at her organization without a college degree. And, wow. um, she did that as a single mom. And so she was the first manager that I knew who got promoted and promoted again and was able to lead and just do amazing, amazing work at her company before she retired. So she's definitely an inspiration in a lot of ways. Um, person, Number two is actually two people. So I would suggest my, my mentors, the people who, um, who, uh, I, like I told you about the woman who ran the women's leadership organization. And when I was first starting out, I worked for a couple of different coaches who were absolutely phenomenal. And in terms of career advice, I would give this advice to literally anybody is if you see something that you want to do work for somebody who's doing that. Right. And, and be very clear. Like I want your job someday. Right. Yeah. I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. And so I put myself in the rooms of the people who were doing the work that I really wanted to do. And, and that was just like huge, huge on my confidence. And then also just on the skills and understanding what it is that I needed to be doing. And, um, the third person is actually my husband who, um, has taught me that business side of things. And it's been really great in the last decade because he 
he, you know, I, I call him like, he's sort of like my COO. If I, if, you know, if he didn't have another job, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but basically he has helped me understand how businesses work in, in this higher, um, more intellectual way that I wasn't really as uh, prone to, you know, creating a strategic plan, thinking, you know, several years ahead of time, actually forecasting and projecting how much money we were going to make, and then actually going out and making that money. Th- these are things that I tended to kind of uh, put on the back burner as long as I was being creative and having fun. And yeah. I think that sweet spot, that combination has allowed me to have so much success in these last couple of years. And, um, and then of course it's allowing me to be a better coach for my clients because that's what they're working on as well. Yeah, definitely. And to sort of wrap up our conversation, is there any advice that you would give your younger self? So I alluded to this with, uh, my mom, which was, I didn't believe her. And I think that the advice that I would give my younger self is why don't you just try it on? Like, just, just try, what if, what if she was right? And I tell this to my clients because I see, um, what they can't see, right? So I really do see their promotion working out and this is not positive thinking. I'm not making it up. It's like, some of it is through the experience of working with many, many women. And this exact same thing happened, right? This exact same scenario. And when I get texts, like, you're not going to believe this, Stacey. I'm like, yes, I, I do. I do believe it because it actually has happened like last week. And mm-hmm. so to my younger self is like, why, why fight, right? Why, why argue with somebody who sees your your potential, right? It would be so much more beneficial to just say, "Hmm, maybe she might be right. And like, you don't even have to completely agree with her, (laughs) right? Even just like, maybe she's onto something. Like, I I just can't even imagine um, the wonders that have would have come into my life even earlier on if I had even just like started to believe, you know, maybe I really can do and be anything I want. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And that's such a nice message to send to our listeners. So thank you once again, Stacey, for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you, Layla. This is such a pleasure. All right, then we'll take care. Bye-bye. Bye.